Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled Thinking Outside the Box to Advance Cancer Care, the latest evidence and guidance on novel portable electric field therapies. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Novacure Incorporated. Hi, my name is Dr. Charles Simone. I'm the professor and chief medical officer at the New York Proton Center and full member at Memorial Sloan Kettering and Department of Radiation Oncology. Today, we're going to be taking a look at the latest evidence on portable electric field devices and discussing patient-centered strategies for integrating these devices into routine cancer treatment plans. Let's start by discussing the clinical and mechanistic rationale for using portable electric field devices in cancer care. Where are we in the current landscape of oncology? We've seen tremendous rises in the five-year cancer survival rates across pediatric and most adult tumors. Many cancers now have survivals well above 50 and 75%, including prostate cancer, breast cancer, and many lymphomas and leukemias. Much of this has been attributable to advances in systemic therapies, targeted therapy, immunotherapy, advances in surgical procedure, and novel radiation approaches like intensity modulated radiation therapy and proton therapy. But there's still several cancers that trail significantly behind, including those in the upper GI tract, ovarian cancers, as well as many thoracic malignancies and liver tumors. We still need more treatments that are effective and have less toxicity than traditional treatment approaches. Electric field therapy has the potential to be a low toxicity modality with significant efficacy. While traditional radiation therapies and many chemotherapies work by forming double-stranded DNA breaks or free radical formation, electric field therapy can disrupt tumor cells at several different mechanisms, antimitotic, permeability, antimigratory, DNA repair, autophagy, and immunogenic. Looking specifically at tumor-treating fields, which is perhaps the most well-characterized electric field therapy, this works by disrupting alignment of polarized subunits and spindle formation. Those disrupted polar units then move to cleavage furrows, and the cells cannot divide properly, possibly leading to cell death. What are the two main approaches for using electric field therapy today for portable devices at home? One is tumor treating fields or TT fields. This is a transcutaneous delivery using low-intensity alternating electric fields that targets a specific body region. This is FDA-approved in glioblastoma as well as mesothelioma. There's also radiofrequency electromagnetic fields, or RF-EMF. This is an intrabuchal delivery, and it uses a tumor-specific frequency and amplitude-modulated electric fields that are delivered to the entire body. And this has an approval in advanced hepatocellular carcinoma. With approvals for multiple disease sites and increasing utilization in clinical trials with electric field therapy, we're seeing that they are low-toxicity treatment approaches. Now we're going to review the clinical efficacy data for approved indications of portable electric field devices. In this session, we'll review the efficacy expectations with novel portable electric field devices. Portable electric field devices are approved to treat glioblastoma, mesothelioma, and advanced hepatocellular carcinoma. Looking at tumor treating fields, the pivotal trial that put electric field therapy on the map was the EF11 phase 3 randomized trial that compared physicians' choice of chemotherapy in patients with recurrent glioblastoma to no chemotherapy, but rather tumor treating fields. In this trial, while there is no improvement in overall survival, tumor treating fields was shown to have an equivalent survival and actually improved response rates as well as toxicity and quality of life advantage over chemotherapy. 
in the definitive setting for newly diagnosed glioblastoma multiforme, tumor treating fields also has significant efficacy. The EF14 trial compared TT fields plus temozolomide versus temozolomide alone in newly diagnosed patients. And it showed that the addition of tumor treating fields to standard of care temozolomide improved survival without, importantly, having a negative influence on health-related quality of life. In malignant pleural mesothelioma, tumor treating fields also has a strong role. This is based on the STELLAR trial. This is a phase two single-arm trial, multi-center, showing that the addition of tumor treating fields to platinum-based chemotherapy in first-line mesothelioma had pretty significant outcomes as far as an 18.2-month median overall survival, including over a 20-month median overall survival for epithelioid patients and over a year's survival for non-epithelioid patients. This certainly compares favorably to cytotoxic chemotherapy alone and historical controls for this population. Then looking at RF-EMF, this is based on advanced hepatocellular carcinoma patients. Here, there was a single group open-label phase 1-2 trial of 41 patients, and it demonstrated a median progression-free survival of about four and a half months and median overall survival of 6.7 months in a relatively advanced patient population. These outcomes did show good response with three partial responses, one near-complete response, and stable disease in many patients, importantly, with very limited toxicity, including no grade greater than two toxicities. In a multi-center real-world data analysis, you can see, again, there's efficacy demonstrated and more prolonged survival, especially in the child QA patients. As you can see, electric field therapy has shown significant efficacy in recurrent and newly diagnosed glioblastoma, malignant pleural mesothelioma, and advanced hepatocellular carcinoma, with several other disease sites having ongoing trials. Next, we'll review the ongoing studies for portable electric field devices in cancer care. Now we'll talk about what's coming next in electric field devices and the emerging data in oncology. There have been several promising early phase trials looking at tumor treating fields in other disease sites beyond our standard glioblastoma and mesothelioma, including non-small cell lung cancer, ovarian cancer, and advanced pancreatic adenocarcinoma. For non-small cell lung cancer, there is encouraging phase two data with median overall survival of well over a year. For ovarian cancer, median overall survival is not reached in a phase two trial showing a median progression-free survival of nine months. And for advanced pancreatic adenocarcinoma in a phase two trial, median progression-free survival was over a year with one-year survival rates of 72%. All encouraging numbers, all leading to larger trials. This is the current ongoing landscape for tumor training fields in cancer, including several notable phase three randomized trials. The METIS trial is for brain metastasis secondary to non-small cell lung cancer. The LUNAR trial is for stage four non-small cell lung cancer after platinum failure. The HEPANOVA trial is a phase two advanced hepatocellular carcinoma trial. The EF31 trial is a phase two trial specifically for unresectable gastric cancer. The PANOVA-3 trial is a phase 3 trial in advanced pancreatic adenocarcinoma. And the INNOVATE-3 trial is a phase 3 trial for ovarian cancer that's platinum resistant. I'm very excited about several of these trials as for advanced tumors in many of these sites, including pancreatic and ovarian, we currently have very few good options for our patients. Now shifting from tumor treating fields, let's look at what's ongoing in RF-EMF in cancer care. There's a new portable electric field device using ultra-low RF-EMF, looking specifically at patients with recurrent glioblastoma. This is a transcutaneous delivery to the entire brain 
using ultra-low-frequency electric fields. It has a similar mechanism of action to RF, EMF, and tumor-treating fields, but it's targeted to a specific site, just like tumor-treating fields, rather using radio frequency like RF, EMF. Now let's look at trials on the horizon for ultra-low RF, EMF. There are currently studies underway looking at the device with patients with recurrent glioblastoma. This is a first cohort in use in the United States, and now also a newly activated feasibility study for newly diagnosed GBM. For RF-EMF, there's a phase two trial in advanced hepatocellular carcinoma for second line therapy in combination with drug, as well as for third line therapy for advanced hepatocellular carcinoma. So as you can see, there's a significant pipeline of new trials for electric field therapy with several tumors with unmet needs having phase two and phase three trials. Next, we'll talk about the safety profiles of portable electric field devices and review strategies for managing adverse events. Now we'll review the adverse events and the management of those events with electric field devices. The safety profile of tumor treating fields in recurrent GBM is based again on the EF11 trial. When tumor treating fields were compared to standard of care chemotherapy, chemotherapy had higher rates of severe GI, hematologic, and infectious adverse events. The toxicity was pretty mild with tumor treating fields, really only was mild to moderate contact dermatitis of the scalp, which was beneath the transducer arrays in 16% of patients, but otherwise no appreciable systemic toxicity. The same was seen in the EF14 trial in newly diagnosed GBM patients when tumor treating fields were added to temozolomide. The addition of tumor treating fields was not associated with an increase in systemic adverse events, and tumor treating fields caused just mild to moderate skin irritation underneath the transducer arrays. This was in 52% of patients, but again, no systemic events. The same was seen for mesothelioma in the Stellar trial. Again, no unexpected systemic events, and the toxicity was limited to skin. Grade 3 or 4 skin toxicity occurred in 5% of people, although about two-thirds of patients had some degree of grade 1 or 2 dermatitis beneath the arrays. How do we prevent and manage skin irritation with tumor treating fields? Prevention is really the key here. We want to assess for risk factors for developing cutaneous toxicities, such as skin conditions or concurrent uses of systemic therapy. Skin should be cleaned and well-shaped prior to array application. And importantly, the arrays should be moved at least twice a week and repositioned by about two centimeters each time to avoid direct overlap and the adhesion of the array. If patients do develop a skin event, the treatment is often topical. Topical corticosteroids, a barrier with aluminum chloride, or even antibiotics may be needed depending on this situation. The arrays should be repositioned away from the sites of irritation. In a minority of cases, certainly when the skin toxicity is higher grade and can be more distressing to patients, you may need to consider a treatment interruption of a few days or even discontinuation if the symptoms do not resolve. The safety profile of RF-EMF, advanced hepatocellular carcinoma, comes from our phase 1-2 trial as well as real-world data, so 59 total patients. Comparing RF-EMF to serafinib, RF-EMF had lower rates of any grade diarrhea and foot syndrome, alopecia, anorexia, and other events. While there were some reported moderate-grade abdominal pain, fatigue, and nausea, the toxicity overall had a generally favorable profile relative to systemic therapy. So as you can see, many of these electric field therapies have been proven in clinical trials to have relatively modest toxicity profiles. Next, we'll see how we integrate these therapies into clinical care and best practices for counseling patients on the initiation and continued use of portable electric field devices as part of their cancer management.
In this session, we'll discuss counseling patients on the use of electric field devices. Let's look at patient selection consideration for portable electric field devices. Patient and caregiver education really is an essential component. Patients that don't have a lot of support may not be optimal candidates for electric field device therapy, but a reliable patient who's motivated can have better adherence. A caregiver would be of great value to those patients. When we think of who's not a candidate, having an electric implanted medical device is a contraindication for electric device therapy. What are some strategies to improve integration of portable electric field device in patients' lives? Well, first and foremost, wearing a device for a GBM on the skull, wearing a backpack for mesothelioma, those have social stigmas associated with them that need to be overcome. They also can impact patients' ability to swim and do other activities during the day. It is important to tell patients that we really do care how often they wear the device and adherence throughout the day is critical. We really need patients to make a personal commitment to using the device as much as possible. Patients should receive direct feedback on their device usage so they have a target for how to improve their adherence. Provider reluctance to prescribe tumor training fields is also currently a barrier to the uptake of electric field therapy. This can be related to physician lack of knowledge and education or their desire to see more data, which will emerge with the upcoming trials being completed. Continued education of providers, just like with patients for electric field therapy is critical. Looking at the impact of adherence on outcomes, this is from the EF14 trial, again, adding tumor treating fields to temozolomide for newly diagnosed GBM. You can see that as adherence increased, overall survival also increased. And you can see when patients wore the device more than 90% of the day, their survival was quite significant at a 25 months median. When patients had adherence of only 30 to 60%, it was not any appreciable difference to temozolomide alone. What is the impact of tumor treating fields on quality of life? This is encouraging. We know quality of life is critically important in the cancers that we're talking about, as they typically have poor survivals. But we also need patients to have good quality of life for the time that they have available. Tumor treating fields have the positive association with quality of life. And if tumor treating fields can delay recurrence or other electric field therapy can improve outcomes, patients can have better overall quality of life. So you can see these devices have no appreciable negative impact on quality of life. To summarize everything we've covered today, electric field therapies have novel mechanisms of action that are often different and complementary to standard cancer modality of treatments. They are generally low toxicity modalities, generally associated with minimal systemic effects, and they have proven efficacy in several disease sites, including glioblastoma, malignant pleuromesothelioma, and hepatocellular carcinoma. Thank you for listening please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.